The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Happy to have you with us again, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we're going to be taking a trip to Detroit outdoors. I am amazed to learn at how many outdoor opportunities there are for appreciation of beauty and pure recreation in the Motor City. We're going to be discussing that with the great travel writer, recently of my acquaintance and well-known to readers of American Road Magazine, Amy S. Eckert. She'll be along very, very soon. But we have some words for you from the great people of Joliet, Illinois, and that historic corridor in the land of Lincoln. We'll be right back after that. Walk behind the forbidden walls of the old Joliet prison, home to some of the most infamous convicts in America, made famous in movies and television, and now you can experience it. See the buildings and cells during a historical tour as guides highlight the prison's long history. For the more brave at heart, try the Haunted History Tour. Stroll the grounds at dusk while hearing the more grim stories of the prison's past. More tours are available. Visit JolietPrison.org for more information and tickets. Plan your visit today. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk and our opportunity to talk once again. We did a great interview before about all the, the glorious places to visit in Detroit, Michigan, the Motor City, Motown, and now the subject of a book called Easy Detroit Outdoors. Amy S. Eckert is our guest. A bit about Amy, she's a native of Detroit and a writer specializing in travel. Her outdoor adventures have taken her on assignment with Backpacker, Midwest Living, Coastal Living, the Chicago Tribune, Airline In-Flights Magazine's Delta Sky, Hemispheres, and Alaska Beyond, and numerous AAA magazines. She is also the author of 100 Things to Do in Detroit Before You Die. That book was featured recently in one of our broadcast slash podcasts, and I urge everyone to read it, Inexhaustible Things to Do in Detroit. Amy loves exploring the Detroit Riverwalk especially, as well as attending sporting events in the D, particularly Tigers baseball games. Now is our opportunity to visit once again with Amy S. Eckert. Amy, we're so happy to have you back on the show. Gary, I am so pleased to be here. Thanks for the invitation to return. Oh, absolutely. I got a copy of your book, Easy Detroit Outdoors, and I just kind of stared at it for a moment because I thought, now I know Detroit as this hyper-industrial city, a city of industrial might, and also notable art, particularly Art Deco, a place undergoing tremendous urban renewal with all, and of course, I mean, Detroit as Motown, hello, with that great contribution to pop culture. With all of that said, it turns out, much to my surprise, and I think many of our listeners will be surprised to know it as well, that Detroit is a great place to explore the outdoors. Yeah, it is. I love to surprise people with that fact. In fact, Detroit has really a much longer history as a place for outdoor recreation than it has as a manufacturing center. You know, the nation's oldest rowing club is located in Detroit, 
and it was unveiled in 1839, long before the automotive industry ever uh, ever came on the scene. And in fact, in those days, Woodward Avenue was nothing but a dirt road. Uh, but the Detroit Rowing Club was in full force, and it, it continues today. And people who are interested in either watching rowing competitions or learning to row themselves can still join with that very same that very same rowing company today. Um, and the rowing club is just really one of of several long-standing outdoor recreational traditions in the city. In the 1920s, when you know, the Model T was all the rage, um, Clara Ford was digging and planting her garden at her estate, Fairlane, and you can still visit her garden today. Um, and it's really just the list goes on of the number of outdoor recreational activities that have long been a part of the fabric of the city of Detroit. Part of the fabric of the D and should not be overlooked. In fact, they should be enjoyed. Since you are particularly fond, Amy, of the Detroit Riverwalk, why don't you take us on a virtual tour? Because I would like to hear more about that. And I'm sure our listeners, many of whom have not been to Detroit, would like to know what the Riverwalk experience is like. Yeah, sure. Um, right now, the Riverwalk is three and a half miles long. And I say it's I say right now because it's still under development, and when it's completed, the hope is that it will span more like five miles. But um, this, you know, this was a section of the Detroit River that was pretty rough just a decade ago. Um, it's kind of crumbling. The the the, the seawall there was kind of crumbling into the water. These days, it's been fully re- redeveloped, and you can see a marina there. You can see a state park with some pristine wetlands. There's a lighthouse on the Riverwalk. Um, there are just huge swaths of uh, gardens there, lots of public art. And um, there's a great bike path. Uh, it's really a multi-use path. People bike on it, but they also run and walk along the, the path. And um, it's a great way to experience the river, um, a, a section of river that, as I said, used to be pretty rough, but now is is pristine and it's seeing the return of a lot of waterfowl and even beavers in this section of the water. And I just love to go down there to enjoy the natural beauty, but also just to see the, the great diversity of people who are spending time there, families and, you know, uh, uh, young people maybe out running, but also, um, you know, older people who are maybe, you know, on a break from their office work and coming out to enjoy the sunshine for a a little walk. Um, It's just a favorite place for me to spend some time and enjoy the natural beauty of the city. I can see why it would be so appealing to you. It makes me curious, Amy, is this river walk reminiscent of older boardwalks, for example? You hear about the Atlantic City boardwalk, for example. Does it participate in that kind of theme? Well, it's similar in that, you know, it is a, a, a well-developed walk along the water, but this is a little more urban than uh, a boardwalk would be. It's, it's concrete and asphalt. Um, there are lots of, um, you know, lights, and quite honestly, towering overhead are steel and glass office towers. So it feels very urban, while at the same time, the path takes through this wetlands and, and past the lighthouse. So it's a a really interesting mix, I think a unique mix of an urban landscape 
with a very natural area on the water. I love that because I have been to various other cities and we broadcast from one each Friday, Seattle, which is a, an absolutely fantastic blend of man-made oh, yeah. architecture and the wonders of nature. To get that blended is, a, is just a thing of beauty and it's a thing to be not just appreciated, but also nurtured for future generations. Yeah, absolutely. And you can get some great, a great flavor of the history of Detroit too, um, the Detroit River is has really become a, a popular paddling destination. So people will take kayaking tours along the uh, the Detroit River these days into some of the historic canals. And once you get up in there, you hear the stories of of uh, the Native Americans that first lived in that area. You learn about the importance of the Detroit River in the Underground Railroad because let's not forget the Detroit River separates the U.S. from Canada in that spot. And so for slaves back in the 18, 1850s, 1840s, um, even into the 60s, the Detroit River marks the finish line for the trip north. Um, mm. so there is that history. But there's also the era, the, uh, the era of prohibition that is represented in this area. Um, again, because Canada was just across the water, it was a, a place where, where groups like the Purple Gang would uh, bootleg, bring bootleg whiskey across from Canada into the U.S. and supply people like Al Capone uh, with, with their whiskey. So there's really some fabulous history, and I love the fact that you can not only learn those stories, but at the same time get some physical activity in. The Purple Gang, you say. So this was, this was a mob. Yes. They were. Oh, yep. Okay. They were a mob that uh, really made their money in uh, <laughs> transporting uh, booze from Canada. In, in the summertime, they would sneak it over in boats. In the wintertime, once the, the river froze, they would come over. They would come over at night and drive across the frozen ice. So, um, quite a history in this section of Detroit. Nice to know that Al Capone had a good supply chain. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of history to be read there, I'm quite sure. But let's let's go from that, and that's definitely worth a visit. That's got to be a priority when people go to Detroit. But you also write, in fact, it's entry number two in your book, Easy Detroit Outdoors. You talk about cruising the Detroit River with Diamond Jack, and of course that means you're aboard the Diamond Jack. I would love to get on that boat. Yeah, um, it is a great way to see the city, the skyline. If, you, if you're a photographer, even if you just like to shoot uh, selfies for Instagram, it's a great way to see the city skyline aboard a, a boat tour. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Diamond Jack because it, it makes a, an important point that there are people who whose idea of a good time outdoors um, maybe involves a, a cruise or a cocktail as opposed to a kayak or a running shoes. And I tried very hard in compiling this list of 100 things to do outside in Detroit. I tried to find a, a real mix of, of things to do, whether you're traveling with a three-year-old and, you know, you really would rather focus on festivals or playgrounds or uh, maybe you uh, really just your idea of a good time involves a, a food or maybe it involves gardening or... Um, or a, a river cruise. There are lots of ways to get outside and enjoy the great outdoors, even if you're 
uh, not really fit enough to run a marathon or uh, uh, paddle a kayak. Well, yes, and you did mention cocktails there too. If that qualifies as outdoor recreation, sign me up. So sure, many places yeah. to party, to party. <laughs> I go on to entry. There's a hundred beauties in here. Number 24, for example, I'd like to, and I'm sure you've done this any number of times, I will make a definite point of going there when I get to Detroit. Number 24 is walk through American history at Greenfield Village. I venture to say that there is no place quite like it anywhere in North America. I don't think there is anything like this in North America, and I would venture to guess we have a hard time finding anything like it any place in the world. You know, Henry Ford enjoyed collecting things, and he had the money to um, to buy whatever he wanted for his collection. And he was at one point into historic buildings, so he collected everything from um, the, the school that his wife grew up in to the Wright Brothers bicycle shop and the home of Robert Frost and colonial era houses and you know Maryland plantation. Um, there are all these historic buildings on the property at Greenfield Village, and this is a great time of year to go see it because, of course, it is outdoors, and um, many of the buildings, being older, are not heated or are really appropriate to visit in the winter. So this is a warm-weather activity, but um, you can stroll through Greenfield Village and see these old buildings um, all in one place. You know, you can, again, you can visit uh, the Wright Brothers Studio. You can you can tour through Edison's Thomas Edison's uh, laboratory from Fort Myers, Florida. Um, they're all on location here on property. And the other cool thing that you can do at at Greenfield Village is you can actually tour the grounds in a Model T. And I don't know about you, but I think that's probably the only place I've ever had opportunity to ride in a genuine Model T. That would be exciting. Yes, there are books written about tours made, including Coast to Coast in a Model T. We've done a show on that before. I've never even sat in one. So that's an experience I would look forward, not Coast to Coast necessarily, but to take a ride around Greenfield yeah. Village. Absolutely. In that entry, Amy, you write, walk through Thomas Edison's Fort Myers Laboratory and his Menlo Park Complex, where the scientist patented the electric light bulb, the phonograph, and some 400 other inventions. Now, this intrigues me because I live in Sarasota, Florida, and that's about 40 to 50 miles from the uh, Thomas Edison home in Fort Myers. I yeah. have been there. Now, how did I get mm -hmm. there? And yet I don't see his laboratory, but if I go to Detroit, I can see it. That is very intriguing to me. It is intriguing, and, you know, it's a little bit crazy. But Henry Ford and Thomas Edison were good friends, as you probably remember, from visiting the Fort Myers home. And, yes. Um, and, um, you know, uh, Henry Ford asked for the laboratory. He asked for it, and I, I don't know, maybe he gave, maybe some money was exchanged. But, um, yeah, the home, Thomas Edison's home, is still in Florida. But the laboratory, um, Henry Ford purchased that, and he paid to have the entire thing shipped up to his, uh, essentially his backyard. It would have been at that time Henry Ford's backyard. He uh, had it shipped there and preserved. And his idea wasn't just merely to own these properties for his own personal enjoyment, although surely he would have enjoyed having them. His idea was to preserve 
the stuff of innovation. So he wanted to have the Wright Brothers Bicycle Studio. He wanted to have Edison's Laboratory. Um, he wanted to have Robert Frost's home and um, Dictionary Author Noah Webster's home because he felt these were places that um, that innovative things happen where Americans created new ideas, crafted new products, and he wanted those places preserved in one inspiring place for all Americans to see. I can see where Ford and Edison would, would have formed such a great friendship because they were way out there in the blue in terms of their imaginations. They, they even went beyond cutting edge. These were true visionaries, and they saw and appreciated that in each other. Yeah, they did, and uh, that was a lot of the thinking, too, behind um, the Henry Ford Museum, which is an indoor um, Space. It's, you know, the, the uh, artifacts there are, are kept inside, but you can buy accommodation tickets that allows you to visit both uh, Greenfield Village and the Henry Ford Museum. And within the museum, there are uh, just, you know, thousands of additional innovations, a lot of automobiles. That's probably not too surprising, from early steam-powered cars to, you know, the muscle cars of the 60s and 70s. Um, there are airplanes. Um, there are uh, presidential automobiles, including the automobile that uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated in, and even the, the bus that Rosa Parks was riding in in Montgomery, um, Alabama, where um, she famously refused to take a back seat. Um, all of yes. these things were inspiring to Ford, and they're on collection there at the Henry Ford Museum. If I recall correctly from our first interview, this place, and it just sounds like it's almost too good to exist, it's like a thing of, of wonder and purity in its way. But there's even so much more, including, and I think I remember this correctly, the chair in which President Lincoln sat when he was assassinated is also in this building? It is. It's remarkable. But yes, that chair is in the building, uh, the cot that George Washington slept on at Gettysburg is, you know, his camp cot is there. Um, um, quite a number of historic airplanes and um, one of the first helicopters ever built. Um, those are also on display in the museum. So it's, it's quite inspiring and um, it's a place you could spend a day. I'm quite sure I would tell anyone, don't plan to go there for just a couple of hours. Right. Right. <laughs> I did want to ask. Let's go back outdoors here, Amy, because I'm very interested in entry number 36 of your wonderful book, Easy Detroit Outdoors. And we're talking about a visit to Belle Isle, which could stand a little explanation. But in particular, the marble lighthouse there, which is the nation's only Art Deco lighthouse. That's exciting to me in and of itself, and it's part of a tour of mm -hmm. Belle Isle. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, the Marble Lighthouse is, sits on the easternmost point of Belle Isle, which is a, a major island in the middle of the Detroit River, and it's now a Michigan State Park. Um, but this lighthouse was built to honor... Um, William Livingstone. He was uh, um, he, he was a, a newspaper man. Or I'm sorry, not a newspaper man. He was a banker, and he um, and he um, really spearheaded navigational improvements in the Great Lakes. So 
um, to honor him, this this uh, lighthouse was built in uh, 1930, and it's the only marble lighthouse in the country. It's it's pretty spectacular, really. Um, it was built by the, the architect Albert Kahn, who was um, a real he was a real force in Detroit in terms of Art Deco architecture, and um, he constructed this lighthouse. It's a it, it, there's a, a short uh, maybe half mile uh, footpath that you can take to hike out to the lighthouse, and um, it's just lovely. It's uh, kind of grayish white as marble would be, and it sits on a sunny day. It sits um, against the backdrop of the blue of the Detroit River and the uh, the brilliant blue of the sky, and it's it's just lovely. It's one of a dozen different noteworthy um, things to see on Belle Isle um, from uh, one of the oldest uh, operating uh, uh, aquariums in the country to a Great Lakes uh, Tipping Museum and um, there's a, a small zoo there, great bike paths, and in the summertime months there's actually a Grand Prix automobile race that takes place on the island. So um, lots of great stuff to see on Belle Isle and a place that really shouldn't be missed on an outdoor tour of Detroit. And I would be sure not to miss it. If people are thinking they can climb up to the where the uh, tower is and the light itself, I don't think that is an opportunity for you, but you certainly can have a very enjoyable around it. And what great photo opportunities. Yeah, it's really the photo ops that you're looking for when you visit the lighthouse. You can't climb the tower like you can with many Great Lakes lighthouses, um, but it, it's worth seeing. And um, it's you know it, it's it's unique in its its style and its architectural uh, features. So um, yeah, I love it. Amy, I'd like to talk for a couple of minutes, the remaining time that we have, about this movement toward urban gardening, because in Detroit particularly, it seems to represent urban renewal as a theme and a lot of reclaimed space, putting it to very good use for the people of inner city Detroit. Well, yeah, um, Detroit is really a sprawling city and, and pretty much always has been. And so as people moved out of the city in the 1970s and 80s, um, you know, the, the city became very famous for um, having a lot of abandoned properties. And over time, those abandoned houses have been removed, and many of the plots of land have been converted into uh, urban gardens. And as a result, you've got a lot of Detroiters who probably lived in the city for generations who are learning the, the pastime of gardening, which is a great thing, great outdoor recreation, good exercise. Um, but... The other wonderful side effect of, of these gardens is that um, you've got restaurants all across the city who are relying on these gardens to produce local, to, to provide local produce for their menus. Um, so it's really terrific use of land that was otherwise blighted. And, um, you know, it, it just makes a lot more sense for the produce and um um, flowers and herbs that you see in your cocktails and on your dinner plate have come from just a couple of blocks away. If you're interested in seeing the garden, uh, there's a, a bicycling company, a tour company that called Wheelhouse Detroit that offers a whole series of 
themed bicycle trips across the city, and one of their more popular is a tour of urban gardens across the city of Detroit. So um, you can bicycle around and you can learn a little bit about the history of each garden as you pedal. You can map out a tour. It's that well organized. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, bicycling has become a big deal in the city of Detroit, which is in itself kind of a big deal because we are the Motor City, but um, bicycling has become quite popular with uh, the, the arrival of Detroit Bikes, which is a locally produced uh, bicycle manufacturer, Shinola, which is popular for their watches, also produces a high-end bicycle. And there are a lot of organized bike tours, such as uh, Wheelhouse Detroit, Motor City Brewing offers, uh, I'm sorry, Motor City Brew Tours offers bicycle tours of the city uh, on, you know, with different themes. And uh, you've got uh, Mogo bikes that are available across the city for rental. You can just rent them for an hour or for the half the day, whatever you like, and get around the city on uh, bicycle. So um, it, it's very much becoming a city of bicycle lovers. And I thought that the bicyclists were only flocking to Denver and Seattle and Portland. And there in the Motor City, you've got people on bicycles left and right. That's just wonderful. So much more to explore in Amy S. Eckert's book, Easy Detroit Outdoors. And don't forget to pick up, if you haven't already, her other book, 100 Things to Do in Detroit Before You Die. Amy S. Eckert, we're always happy to talk to you, Amy, and I look forward to our next Radio Adventure Through Detroit and Environs. It's been a pleasure. Gary, thanks again for having me. It really is a, a pleasure to be on your show, and uh, I wish you a summer of lots of outdoor recreation. Oh, back at you. Thank you, Amy. We are going to be right back after we hear once again from the folks in Joliet, Illinois, and the Heritage Corridor. Back after this. Walk behind the forbidden walls of the old Joliet prison, home to some of the most infamous convicts in America, made famous in movies and television, and now you can experience it. See the buildings and cells during a historical tour as guides highlight the prison's long history. For the more brave at heart, try the Haunted History Tour. Stroll the grounds at dusk while hearing the more grim stories of the prison's past. More tours are available. Visit JolietPrison.org for more information and tickets. Plan your visit today. Bored with the other stations, hammering away on the same old talking points? Try Alternative Talk 1150 and get some variety. Thank you one more time for tuning into American Road Trip Talk. Time to go for now, along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine. We remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, drive safely and dream well.